0: We'll begin reading in verse 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrusted to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is the word of the Lord. Well, last
1: week we were in this text and I promised to come back to it this morning and ran out of time last week and looked up at the clock this morning and said to my wife, I might go a little longer this morning. Let me review a bit. Um, let me take you, first of all, to 1 Timothy chapter 3. I, I'm not going to go too much longer, so don't get too nervous. Chapter 3 and verse 14. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 14 and 15. Let me take you to this text. And then I want to review a bit, get us all on the same page if you weren't here, and then take you back to that dilemma that I ended with and left you with last week. Look at this text. This is really the the thematic text of all of the epistles, really, particularly of 1 Timothy, but of, of all this series that I'm in. Verse 14 says, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that, Paul writing to Timothy, if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth. Now, our theme is to guard the deposit entrusted to us, but this text says, here, I'm, I'm writing in Timothy and Second Timothy and Titus to, to a degree of how to, how to do that, how to, how to structure the church, how to do church, if you will, so that this happens, that the pause at the gospel gets protected. We'll, we'll come back to that text in a minute, but now let me review a bit. Let me, let me go back to last week. I made, I made a couple of statements. One is concerning the church. We're talking now about guarding the deposit by guarding the mission, guarding what, what we're called to do as a church, getting it right uh, as best we can determine it. I've, I've already said to you that how incredibly important I think that, that leadership is in that because, because we're given big picture things, but the specifics of how you do that aren't all spelled out, and so godly leaders, and we'll come to that at the end of this series. But, right now, I made this statement last week. The early church, two things, I'm pretty c- confident didn't happen. One is, believers did, did not try to do it alone. In other words, believers didn't think of not connecting to a church. That didn't happen in the early church. Now, they might not have been able to find another believer, maybe, but if they found him, they grabbed onto him. They became a church. So, so believers didn't think of, of kind of doing it all by themselves, which, which happens today in our world. A lot sometimes, actually. People think they can be lone rangers, don't need the church, that kind of thing. And the second thing that never happened is, is believer or unbelievers didn't think about connecting to a church. I mean, it was, it was risky. It was dangerous. Seekers didn't just decide, well, maybe I'll go attached to this church till I get it all figured out. I mean, that, that just didn't happen. So believers didn't think of not being attached to a church and unbelievers didn't think about being attached. Now, fast forward to today, the contrast of that. And we showed that contrast. We used a couple of illustrations. There are two extremes that now happen today as far as how you do church. I mean, how do you do church? How? And I said, for just for convenience sake, how do you do Sunday morning? Church is more than that, you understand. But how do you, how do you structure Sunday morning for the church? There are two extremes of that today. And my contention is the reason that we have these extremes and the reason we have these differences is because it's not like the early church. We don't have persecution. Persecution lets us... Have more freedom, and and more choices. They didn't have many choices. They didn't make choices. Believers attached. Unbelievers didn't. Case closed. But today we have we have two extremes of how church is done. One is I described as the the, the bar mentality of church, and the other was the church league basketball mentality of, and and let me illustrate what I mean by that. Today we have people. Who, and groups who get together and decide we want to f- start a church and, and we want to be, be f- structure this church around unbelievers. We want to reach unbelievers. So our church is, is structured to reach unbelievers. And the extreme of that, that's not the total, I mean there's more extreme things than this, but this would just for illustrative purposes, sometimes they, they meet in bars. A couple of reasons. One is they're, they're closed on Sunday. It's a place to meet. But they also do it for more than that, usually. It's because they have a sense that people are just a little more comfortable in that setting than walking into a sanctuary. I mean, that, that's really just the way it is. So, they, so I put them over there, and, I, and you have to be careful about absolute statements. But you understand, that the church for the unbeliever, the extreme of just for the unbeliever, structured, everything's done, just for the unbeliever, to reach the unbeliever, versus the church done only for the believer the extreme of uh, the the absolute extreme of that which the best way I can picture it is what you've some of you experienced this you church league basketball uh, there's sometimes there's groups who are part of that they'll play basketball with you but they won't pray with you so when you pray before basketball they back out of the circle that's an intentional thing to back out of that circle they might they might pray with an unbeliever again it's an overstatement but it's the extreme of that kind of withdrawal mentality and and uh, so we set up that last week we set up that scenario now I told you in that panel left right center I'm not at the center of that I'm I'm right of center I, I believe and and do what we do and attempt over these years to to make the Sunday morning experience structured primarily for believers that's where I land, not to the extreme, by any means, not not even close to that extreme, I don't think, but right of center, right of center and and by that i i'm not a I'm not opposed to inviting unbelievers in. I tell you to invite, invite people in. I don't know whether they're believers or unbelievers, but sometimes they'll be unbelievers i I think i'm not I'm not against that happening. in fact, I want that to happen. in fact, if I know somebody's here and I don't know where they're at spiritually, I think and sometimes i I do a better job because I'm not seeker driven. Oh, there's a difference between being seeker driven, which I think is the left extreme, and being seeker sensitive. I think I think we are seeker sensitive, even though we structure church for the believer. I used some illustrations of that. It's why Pastor Jason just gave you the page number for the scripture. I remember early on in my Christian life, and you know you can't find it. you're embarrassed. We're not trying to embarrass anybody. We want to do everything we can. To not make them not want to come back, in that sense, in those kind of ways that we can, uh, we we make sure our ushers are friendly. Ushers open doors, they welcome people. We have welcome packets. We we do things like that. We're, we're I'm careful, I think about cliches. That's why I'm better when I when sometimes when a visitor's here and I don't know totally. I think I'm more precise. I don't I don't use terms that are undefined. Our des, our foyer was designed. With this in mind, I say to you at times, when you come in the sanctuary, go hard after God. I think worship's significant. Go hard after God. And when you leave, go hard after people. The foyer's built big enough that we can go hard after people. But I don't think when you come in the sanctuary, it's a time to go after people. It's a time to go after God. So, again, it's a philosophical reason because I'm right of center. But I'm not way over at the extreme of center. And, and there are lots of ways. I, 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 we try and we can do better. But we, we try to be seeker-sensitive and incredibly sensitive to that, praying about those kinds of things. But now, this is, this is where I ran out of town last, last week. I painted the picture. I took you to a text in 2 Timothy 2.10. If you want to turn there with me, the text that we've read, I took you to this text, 2.10. Uh, and I shared a dilemma with you that happened last week on the fly. This is the dilemma that happened on the fly, really. In a sense, I uh, early in the week was in this text, going to use this text, um, and and I started to see this this that says, "Therefore, I do everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory." I defined elect. Elect are those people that God is saving. That he's going to say that's the elect, the people all the people who will one day be with him are the elect. You define it that way. Um, but as i as I started to look at this, I thought I'm going to tell them I'm right of center, but I can't use this text to to support it. <laughs> that's a dilemma The text you picked to support it will ring hollow. Because it isn't what it says. I came to realize, it, in the middle of all that, after actually after I talked to a couple different people about the text, that, whoa, be careful here. I think this text actually isn't going to do that for you. Because I think when he's talking about elect here, he is talking about those yet to come in. In this sense. Now, I think it's both. Not, but I can't just take this text and do that I mean in a sense but but the predominance of his emphasis is on those yet to come if you're going if you're going to fall there you've got to fall in yet to come in the way it's written here I think the, the text it it really is better worded, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect in order that they may obtain salvation, something future elect yet to come in, which which, you know, if you just had that text, you, you, better be way or, you better be on this left side of center if that's all you have. If that's the only thing. But, but let me tell you this morning, that's not all I have. That's why I want you to turn back with me now to First Timothy chapter 3. I think the preponderance of emphasis is right of center. But the church is for believers, primarily. That To go to that left side of, of the page is, is a, a reaction against not getting it right. Not getting it right. Not getting the mission correct. and And actually happens because of the extreme of the other side. It's that whole pendulum kind of thing that gets swung. The church... Be right of center, but the church, if it's not careful and doesn't get it right, doesn't get the tension right, they end up over here, and then there's a, a backswing that goes clear over to the other side. And, and what I want to keep that, uh, what I want to do is not let that happen for us, that we try to get it as, as best we can right, so that we aren't reacting all the time. That's why godly leaders are important. They hold steady. They don't just react, they they think through things and and all of that. We'll come to that. We'll talk about that more. But now let me give you the preponderance some of the preponderance of evidence. Some of it comes from the text in First Timothy chapter three. but let me let me lay a couple of other things to you here. Paul, the pastoral epistles themselves. Paul said, "Appoint elders in every city." And that's the emphasis of Timothy and Titus. Point elders, leaders. For who? For the church that they can they can do they can they can watch over the church church for believers um 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 28 you don't have to turn there but Paul's talking about all of the hardships he's had all of the difficulties he's had all the things that have happened to him shipwrecks and and hunger and Nakedness and all that kind of stuff for the sake of the gospel. Some of the stuff that he talks about enduring. And, but then he says this in verse 28. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all of the churches. Now there he's talking about the elect in the churches. The ones that have already come in. He, the, of all the suffering, of all the difficulties, was that pressure. The pressure of the churches, of the people. Um, You look at the book of Romans. You look at all of the epistles, really. All of the books that were written by Paul. But Romans is is a case in point. He he is expounding the gospel in Romans. The first first part of Romans is is gospel exposition at its finest. First several chapters. But he begins in in verse 7 of chapter 1. says this, To all those who are in Rome who are loved by God which he's talking about the elect who've come in. He's talking about the church. To all those who in Rome who are loved by God and called, because it says, and called to be his saints. He's not talking about future there. He's talking about those who've already come in. He's talking about the church, which is, a, is, a, is an interesting thing in itself, that he spends all those chapters reminding them of the gospel. Have you ever had anybody do that to you? the church you see he wrote that to to the roman church we need the gospel as believers as much as unbelievers we'll come back to that but now how do you put that together how do you do that tension in a sense of the church is for believers yet paul said in in that that he does all of that he does in Second Timothy, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. And I think there he's talking about unbelievers, those yet to come in, who need to hear the message. Um, what's that look like? In fact, in Second Timothy chapter four and verse five, he said to Timothy, "Do the work of an evangelist. Um, great commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel." So how do you do church right of center for believers, Sunday morning service, and yet not neglect going into all the world, not neglect being the work of an evangelist, not neglect the elect yet to come in? And I think again, I say it again, if, if you don't get it right, as, as right as you can get it, you swing a pendulum that comes flying back, to the bar. That's what happens oftentimes. So it's worth wrestling with. It's worth looking at the Scripture. It's worth trying to find out as best we can how we ought to do it, I think. Here's where I land now in all of this. Here's how I deal with those tensions. Right of center, yet to the work of an evangelist. Church and i find it in this text in 1st timothy so turn there with me i find it what i read to you at the beginning i hope to come to you soon but i'm writing these things to you so that if i delay that you may ought to know how to behave in the household of god which is what the church how to behave in the church how to do church if you will in a sense but he doesn't just stop there with church He says, the church of the living God. Now, what what does he mean? What does church mean? Ekklesia, the word. Original. Ekklesia. It means called out ones. Church are the called out ones. The, The elect that have been saved thus far, if you will. Those who have come to see the glory of Christ. They've been called out of darkness into light. A good illustration of this. Why do we have church bells? Or used to have church bells. Why did they used to ring church bells? Just because they got up one morning and said, that sounds nice? There's a reason behind church bells. Church bells were to declare called out ones come. It's time to gather together. It's time for the church to gather together. The called out ones. It was calling them out. Physically calling them out in small communities. That's the picture. That's the church. Called out ones how to conduct yourself as the called-out ones, as the church. But then he says, the church of the living God. Now again, he's not just throwing that around. He's not just coming up with something to say. There's a reason he uses that terminology, living God. They lived and, and worked and Moved around in a city full of idols, full of dead gods. And, and Paul is specifically saying it's, it's the called out ones who are called out on Sunday morning to come together to meet with the living God in corporate worship. The church of the living God. You came this morning, entered into this sanctuary to meet Corporately with the living God, living God. Look at chapter two of Second Timothy in verse eight. Paul says, "Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Offspring of David is preached in my book. Risen, living, the living God. He's not a dead god, not a dead idol." We come together, the called out ones, to meet with the living God. Corporate worship now. Sunday morning worship. You see that picture? We're to do it in a a certain fashion, I think. And and now I go back to the text that I jumped out of because I said that supports more this than this. But in the midst of that, Paul uses things like, he says in verse um, 9, just after he says, remember, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, he says, I'm suffering bound in chains for him. But then he says, but the word of God is not bound. And, And other places in these epistles, he talks about the scripture. This is what I think it should look like. The church, I think, is designed to be right of center. It, it is it is for primarily believers to come together a, around the Word of God, be the Word of God to strengthen us, the Word of that living God, the Word of that living God. You see, that's what it is of that living God that you're meeting with. When we're opening the Word, we are opening His Word to us. When we come in, It is the word of the living God. This is the word of the Lord. You see, we come corporately around that. It it certainly must be predominant among us. Now, it's it's used over here, but it's not it's not central. I don't think like it should be in for the church. It's not central. We, we come together. The called out ones come together. They come together to meet with the living God to hear His Word to us. And that Word then does what it says in chapter 2 of Second Timothy and verse 1. We are strengthened by grace. We are strengthened by grace which comes to us by the Holy Spirit within us. There, there is a means by which the, the Spirit of God in us strengthens believers. It, it is through the means of the Word. The, the Word and the Spirit come together. The, the Spirit uses the Word. He, he, the, the purpose of the Spirit is to manifest the Son, to, to bring Him forth, to bring Him up. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word, the living God, Jesus Christ. We hear His Word to us. The Spirit brings that word to us, connects with that word that's what ought to happen in corporate worship, and the body is strengthened the body is strengthened by that Two things happen when that happens i this is this is what i this is why I still say invite people invite unbelievers take I'm not afraid of that i unbelievers in our midst I'm not opposed to that I I don't back out of the circle and not want to so I I'm okay with that I encourage you to do that because this is what I believe this is fundamentally I mean this is fundamental to who I am and, and my ministry this is this is a core core value to me as your pastor and I think many of you know that but the core value is this that that the church is is for believers to be strengthened, as I talked about. And as they're strengthened, worship flows out of that. So we come in, come in to meet with the living God, the Word, and the Spirit, and worship. God-centered worship happens. And and out of that is a sense of transcendence. A sense, a sense as an unbeliever comes into that, there is something different about this than anything I've ever experienced before. Any other gathering I've ever been in. I, there's something unique. I can't put my hand on, I can't put my handle on, I can't figure it all out. There's something different. There's something different here. There's something genuine, there's something right about this, even though I don't even know what the rightness is. Do you see? That there's a sense of trends, a sense of God's presence in the midst that has tremendous influence on the unbeliever. If it's done genuinely. I believe that's why you invite them in. That's why the freedom to do that today is a good thing, not a bad thing. In fact, we have freedom to do it and they're willing to come. But you don't structure the coming over here. You structure it here to have transcendence occur. Strengthening of believers, transcendence to unbelievers, and the... And, uh, what, what happens is that unbelievers come in, there's a sense of transcendence, they go out wondering and believers are catapulted out, out of that worship to, to declare that glory to others, to go out to others and say, come worship, come worship. Not I don't mean come to church, come understand what it is to worship this God. One person has said, John Piper said, missions exist because worship doesn't. Why do we go to the nations? Because we have worshipped a God that we want them to know about. We want them to worship. We want them to worship this God because it is so sweet and satisfying and precious. You see, the predominance of going is out there. We, we, we are catapulted to go out. And to declare God's glory to our neighbors and the nations. That, I think, is the best way. We're, we're, and we're catapulted. I, I'm, I'm going to run out of time here a little bit and, and may come back to it later. But I would encourage you to read the book of Titus. It, it, all over. If you read Titus, do this. Read Titus this week and mark every place it says good works. Every place It says it multiple times. Good works, good works, good works. We go out to do good works in the name of Christ, to declare His glory. You see, that's, that's what ought to happen. The church goes out. And, and the transcendence is seen when people come in. They come in to see the worship. They come in to, to experience and they say, there's something here I can't explain. But then when we go out, we do things that say, what motivates them? Where does that come from? Uh, you you see and and we tell them we don 't just let them look at it we, we don't just we don't just do the good works, but there's times when we get an opportunity to talk about the why of the good works in one on one relationships, not right away maybe, but over time that 's the pattern i think now now let me let me share a couple more things i'll do, i'll try to do this as quickly as I can, and I may have to come back to it but the word-centered, the gospel-centric idea of, the, of this, that, that I think, I, I said this in my Sunday school class, you, if, if you don't have this, and all you have is over here, just a kind of lip service to the word, and not much word, you don't strengthen the church. You don't strengthen the church like you need to strengthen them. The church becomes weak, creates all kinds of problems. But one of the things you do in a word-centric motif of the church and, and worship, is you strengthen believers you strengthen them in in their resting in Christ because much of that is the gospel you're 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 getting them to rest in Christ and come to understand what I've been talking about the last few weeks counted righteous yet still sinful in a sense but but the righteousness of Christ you, you they start to rest in that they start to rest and so This is, if, if you get that right, that the rest then causes them to go out and do what all we've just talked about. But if you don't get it right, if you don't give them enough word, if you don't give them the right word, if you don't get this word-centric stuff, gospel-centric stuff right, the rest doesn't come, and, and this is what comes. This is what happens if you don't do that right. The church becomes about staying pure. The, the church becomes about coming in and getting in a huddle and staying pure, which in essence is a, a kind of attempt to save myself. Uh, I'll come in and use the church as a means by which to to, to save myself. A kind of a, a it almost can the extreme of that can be a monk mentality. I'll just draw away in a sense to save myself to stay pure and to purify myself. And and you see how that pulling in and what it does is it pulls our eyes inward. It pulls us into ourselves. It becomes a, an all-consuming, self-consumed thing. And when you are self-consumed by saving yourself, you don't go out. You just stay in your huddle. You're trying to save yourself. Or, or it goes to self-righteousness. The whole idea of of you kind of have a better estimation of yourself how well you're saving yourself. One or the other. You either pull in and have no outward focus, or you get self-righteous and you get your chest out, kind of thing, and up on your pedestal to people. Um, and and one area that the, the people who are pulling in trying to save themselves, then evangelists. Now now this is what evangelism looks like to the person who's pulled into this holy huddle of looking and gets inwardly perspective trying to save themselves they do evangelism a little bit of it they'll do a little bit of it but it's a must do it's a, it's a means by which to save myself and and so they don't do it for a while then they feel guilty and they go do it a little bit and then they come back and then they go back you see it's it's a, it's a, a must do kind of thing i must do it to save myself or you get self-righteous, you get up on your pedestal and you pontificate from a pedestal to people, come, come to Christ. You, And it, it's, it's a condescending kind of evangelism that's done. And my contention, you think about this, but my contention is that usually even that kind of evangelism, even that kind of evangelism, a must-do or pontificating, Usually kind of consists of inviting them to church. You soothe your evangelism conscience by just inviting them to church. I can't get the message quite right. Pastor will do a better job. I'll just bring, I'll bring them there. That'll be my responsibility. He'll tell them. And hopefully they'll see. And, and that just distorts everything. That just, it just puts us in that vicious cycle of this side of the pendulum or this side of the pendulum. You see, and so we get over here in our holy huddles and then they think, oh, we've got to do a better job and then we go over here. You see why it's so important that we, we get word-centric. We, we, we see the glory of God in the face of Christ. And because we've seen that glory and it's glorious to us and we're resting in that, that we just can't help but herald it. We, 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 you can't keep it in. You have to. It, it, it's too sweet to just taste yourself. Now, now obviously that's a process, and we ebb and flow and all of that. But, but I think that's the way it ought to be. That's the way you do the tension. That's the way you 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 deal with the tension. And and that's the danger of not getting it right. What I talked about. We are to do the work of evangelists. The mission of the church is to go into all the world and and declare this glorious message, herald it, herald this message. But if we don't get church right, my contention is we don't get that right either. God help us. God help us as we wrestle with that, as leadership wrestles with that to get it right. I think there's no better way to end here this morning than to worship. To worship. We're going to sing as we close. And may God use it to send us out this morning. Stand with me, will you? Father, uh, the true definition, I think, of souls being strengthened by grace is that they're catapulted out. When our hearts are strengthened, they are strengthened to go and declare the glory of God. Help us, Father, to be that kind of people. Help us to see more and more of the glory of Christ. that we might ring true to our neighbors and the nations as we talk about Him. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Dismissed.